Welcome to the Earning the Push podcast. I'm Jack Murley, and this week, myself and co-host, professional rugby player Charlie Beckett, look back at a bumper week of wrestling that saw WWE and AEW go head-to-head once more. We look at some beautiful big matches, some fantastic nuanced storytelling from Reigns, Heyman and Lesnar, and consider how WWE gets out of Crown Jewel in Saudi Arabia with their top storylines still intact. Plus, the start of your suggestion on one big night, two big wrestling moments, where AEW is going on the road to full gear, and so, so much more coming up right now on Earning the Push. When Tony Khan's giving you Suzuki versus Danielson just for a treat for free on YouTube for everyone, go and have a watch, ladies and gentlemen. It's um, it's not a bad time to be a wrestling fan, is it, mate? Not a bad time at all. So much good stuff to get into. We could throw a dart and, and pick anywhere. I'm going to pick Suzuki Danielson just just for the brutality of that match, I would like just once for Brian Danielson to go into and come out of a match with his chest the same colour because he's taking beating after beating in AEW. It's like he's gone, well, I missed two and a half years or so of wrestling, so I need to catch up on all the pain and all the beating I missed in those three years, all in the rest of my career. So every match I'll have, I'm going to literally have the leather taken off my chest. I'd be hard fought to find someone who didn't enjoy it. I thought it was just a brilliant match. There was one moment in it, and, and as wrestling fans, we think we're very smart, we think we know all the spots, but there was that yay boo segment where they were smashing each other in the face and Suzuki connected with Danielson and he dropped to the floor. And I thought, oh, that wasn't meant to happen. That I mean, what a shot. That Just one punch, one forearm can make you feel that. That was the one time I got a little uncomfortable. I was like, oh, either Daniels was doing the selling of his career or Suzuki's connected a little too well with that one. He's going to hope it was the first. Hopefully, Daniels was just selling like a champ and he's fine. I have I had a conversation. I've had a few conversations with people on Twitter. Again, I'm so bad at remembering your names. I'm so sorry. Um, you are talking about, I think it was about this on the podcast today, about they're a little uncomfortable watching Danielson with his concussion history taking these bumps and being this physical. And again, I completely see that. We just have to defer to the fact that AEW will be looking after him. They'll have the medical experts in there. And he's got a wife and kids who I know, you hear him speak, they're his number one priority and everything. You've got to presume that he wouldn't be doing anything that he's not medically cleared and he knows it's safe to do. So whenever something like that happens, I always try and refer back to that in my brain. But it's uncomfortable watching anyone take those sorts of bumps, those shots, but especially Danielson with his it does make you oh it does it does get you a little bit it does and i remember when Shawn michaels came back in 2002 and every time he took a backbreaker for probably the first year that he was back in the ring it made me wince because i knew his real life history so that was an amazing match we get that on youtube and then the two shows are going up against each other cm punk matt seidel was an amazing match. And then on SmackDown, we had Becky Lynch against Sasha Banks, which was also just fantastic. Just wrestling, isn't it? Like, you like wrestling? Here you go. Here's some great wrestling, everyone. And um, yeah, both just two brilliant matches. Punk, I think, I think that's the best he's looked since he's been back, I'm going to say. Uh, Matt Seidel got the best out of him. He looked brilliant as well. I haven't seen that much of Matt Seidel, if I'm being honest with you. But I want to see more after watching that. And did you see on social media, AEW is starting to build up 
And they said the streak goes on. They're starting to build up and mention that Punk hasn't lost his undefeated streak. And they, they're making it a big thing that whoever beats him, it's going to be a big thing. So that's going to be very, very interesting where that goes and who they give that rub to. I mean, are we are we surprised that those women on SmackDown absolutely tore the house down? Look at the two in question. Of course they did. Just brilliant wrestling. Did you get the sense they're not giving up on the Becky Lynch heel turn, but that they're sort of pulling back on it a little bit and almost manoeuvring her into that tweener sort of sort of role? Because I didn't feel she was a full-on heel trying to turn the crowd against her there. It almost felt like she had heel tendencies, but didn't mind if she was cheered. Yeah, I think so. And I think that's what they've got to do because people are desperate to cheer for Becky Lynch. So why would you not let them? People love Becky Lynch. We haven't had her for a year because she's been off having a baby, which is amazing. And God, how good does she look to come back from however long ago she had that baby and look like she hasn't missed a day. She's incredible. So let people cheer her. She got over being a bit of a tweener, didn't she? The man character is not a clean cut fit baby face. It is not, is it? So let her be the best version of her, which is the man persona, who is just a badass, does what she wants, but everyone loves it. She's the, cl- it's the closest character to Stone Cold in the Attitude Era since Stone Cold, isn't it? And Stone Cold was the biggest face this company's ever had, this industry's ever seen, but he wasn't clean-cut, your normal stereotypical babyface. So let Becky Lynch embrace that. Now, you correct me if I'm wrong, but for all the amazing wrestling we had, for me, the best moment of the entire time since we last spoke was a contract signing and the best moment was the last 90 seconds of a contract signing. I can see you grinning. Take the floor, Charlie. Tell us how good this was. Well, contract signings are normally rubbish, aren't they? Let's be honest. They're normally rubbish. It's boring when someone gets put to the table. That's all that happens. But this just delivered everything I wanted to because, oh, Brock Lesnar... Oh, I didn't see it coming that he'd mentally and intellectually get the upper hand on Roman Reigns. That was brilliant. I said before it became a thing when I fancy booked everything, the most fascinating part of this whole rivalry is Paul Heyman. Because he is for the first time properly in his life caught between two, he's probably his two biggest clients ever. And we don't know where he's going. And he's such a groveling, submissive little um, special counsel to the tribal chief. But you just, you can pitch, can't you? If Brock Lesnar rings him, he's answering. If Brock needs him, he's going to him. And it's just fascinating. And that bit where Roman obviously gives it to The one bit that did make me laugh, that was like, oh, come on, guys, was Roman very correctly, very clearly passed it to the man he trusts to read the contract. Heyman reads this contract for about 12 seconds. And goes, yeah, everything's in it. There's no way he couldn't know that. But taking that bit out of it, just how obviously Rome does the right thing, gets a check, signs it, passes it to Brock. I mean, he just, first of all, how Brock Lesnar just scribble all over the page. There's a, the, Brock, there's a line there for you. It will say your name next to it. Bang. Massive all over the page. Are you going to tell him, Charlie? Are you going to say to Brock Lesnar where he should sign? Absolutely not. And then Roman's the life, and you would. Why wouldn't you call him stupid? That's such a stupid thing to do to not read it. And when he calls him just a big, dumb farmer, I was like, yeah, because that's what we all think he is, really, don't we? We all think he goes back to his farm and he's stupid. And he just goes, I've read the contract. I read it earlier with my advocate, Paul Heyman. And walks out there and I was like, yes. And Heyman's face is, oh, put it in the Louvre. Put a picture of Heyman's face in the Louvre right now. 
I just I don't know what's going to happen on Thursday because did you see Heyman's Instagram post last night? No, did no, you see it? no. Heyman posted saying that he'll walk in with his travel chief, the Universal Champion, and this is a spoiler, not a prediction. Come the end of the night, I'll be walking out with the Universal Champion as well. So there's there's so so much to love about this. I thought the star of the show was Roman Reigns, and how often have we said that? But I I thought he. We expect it from Heyman, and Brock had to do what he had to do well, but but he did it. That was fine. Roman Reigns, that confidence, that cockiness, that sort of disbelief to that 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 blank look on his face. That that was top quality acting. That was brilliant. And what I think we've got here, Charlie, is a love triangle. That's that's what we've got. I mean, I'm not being flippant when I say this. It is a proper old school love triangle you've got the old couple poor paul stuck in the middle you've got the new couple the old flame turns up on the scene the guy who is torn between the two this is every soap opera's go-to trope they use and it's fantastic you know what i love though as well is what we're seeing here is there has been i think one segment in the last five weeks where there's been any physicality between these two where Rock, um, F5 and Suplex, the Usos and Roman, didn't they? What we've seen here is just wrestling storytelling being told. It's absolutely, this whole thing is based around story. Whole thing, and you can do that when you know you've got a match at the end which will deliver because these two, whatever you say about stories they've told in the past, and God, don't get me started on that tug of war for the belt. I try and raise that from my memory. I don't think they've ever had a bad match, these two. You know when Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar get in the ring together, they deliver. And this is the first time they've had a storyline to back it up, I think. I'm actually really excited for this match. I think this could be a really, really huge match because the story finally goes with what's going to happen in the ring. And the whole time watching it, I'm going to be have half an eye on Paul Heyman. Because what is he going to do? I'm, I'm so intrigued. Yeah, I think intrigue is the word. And we many times on this show have criticized WWE for for lack of seeming long term storytelling. We have to say that this story, maybe they didn't anticipate it getting to where it is, but you could date this back to WrestleMania 31. In fact, you could date it back to that blizzard. Do you remember the blizzard on Raw? And they had to they had JBL up on the roof and it was before Mania 31, I think. And they had Roman Reigns challenging Lesnar and Paul Heyman cut a sort of promo where he said Roman you are the future if I wasn't with Brock I'd be with you and it's just it's just fantastic it is wrestling at its best here's my issue it's too good to stop so how do you get yourself out of crown jewel because we need more of this they can't have a they can't end this at crown jewel because it's the best thing WWE has got going by country mile how do you get yourself out of this predicament? The obvious, the obvious one is a no finish, isn't it? With the Usos getting involved or something. But I, I think that's what they'll do because they aren't going to get booed out the building because they're in Saudi Arabia. That won't go down well, I don't think. This needs some sort of finish. And I think the story deserves some sort of finish, this match. I don't think we're... I think we will see... I, I don't know. I don't know. Because if Heyman... There's more stories to be told of Paul Heyman caught in the middle of these two. There's more stories to be told of Roman Reigns not quite trusting Paul Heyman. And long term, I think Heyman goes back to Brock. I really do. 
But I don't think that happens this Thursday. I think we see flashes of it. And maybe, maybe Heyman does something actually to make help Roman win, to try and show his loyalty and then turn clay. I really don't know. The Usos are always around. They're always an option. I just don't know what happens here. It's nice not knowing, though, isn't it? That, yeah. that's, as wrestling fans, we're so cocky and we know everything. It's quite nice to not have a clue about this one. Yeah, it really, really is. And like I say, it's the most intrigued I've been in a match for a long, long time. I'm, I'm, I'm properly excited about this one. Here, here's my theory. I've got two theories as what happens. It goes on first and you get some kind of mess, no DQ situation because then you can put Edge versus Rollins on in the main event in the cell and you sort of set with a good main event. Or I think Paul Heyman does something that potentially could cost Roman Reigns a title. Reigns overcomes it anyway. And maybe there's some Uso interference to, to get him a pin over Lesnar. He can't pin Lesnar clean. But I think Heyman does something that could conceivably be seen as looking to aid Lesnar. And it doesn't have to be a big thing. Maybe it's he distracts a referee at the wrong time. I don't know. But that's what I'd like to see. I don't know how you get from this to Survivor Series where we've already been told we're having Universal Champion versus WWE Champion. Uh, I, I I sort of don't know how you you keep this going, but it's it's fascinating time. And credit to WWE for getting so much right here. Can you see any scenario where Brock wins? Can I see it? Yes. Do I want it? No. I, I think it's too... Here's what I don't see happening, right? Let's eliminate the possibilities. I don't see Paul Heyman definitively aligning with Brock. Don't no. see that happening. So let's rule that out. And don't see Paul Heyman definitively coming out against Brock because I think Heyman is the secret source that makes this rivalry yeah, work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I guess he could cost, cost Reigns a title there, but you want to do that somewhere other than I, Saudi. I think Roman goes over... We're very much confused about Paul in the middle as ever. I think then we do our classic, we're building a Survivor Series where we forget everything else is happening. We build to Roman Big E. They're not going to miss that because the beauty of that is we get Usos versus New Day. I think it's the beauty of that. And I think maybe in the main event of Survivor Series, Brock Lesnar comes and clears house. Oh, yeah. I like and I that. Mean, and I mean clears house, like all six of them. All the New Day and all the Bloodline. And you know what? Throw Paul Heyman in as well. Brock just destroys the main event of Survivor Series. I think somehow he gets screwed at the weekend. There's some sort of cheating on Thursday. And he comes back at Survivor Series and just destroys everything. I got it. I got it. Here's, here's what you do. Vince, you can have this one for free. Okay? You can for have free? this one for, for free. free? Don't okay. sell yourself that easily, Jack Murley. <laughs> okay, what Vince, you... Vince, Vince, you get in touch with me and we'll negotiate a price for this. Charlie is my tribal chief. Here's what you do. Um, some, so, so, something happens here where, where the, go with me on this. The referee gets knocked to the outside. Okay. Referee gets knocked to the outside. The Usos interfere, beat down Brock Lesnar. Roman Reigns shouts to Heyman, Paul, get the ref in. And Heyman hesitates. Paul, get the ref in. Paul, and that's where, and eventually he slides a ref in. There's a slow one, yeah, two, yeah, three yeah. count. Reigns wins. That's your, why was Heyman hesitating? Yeah, yeah I like it. That's what we do. Does, Come on, Vince, you can have that. Does, does Roman put on a Cornish accent when he's shouting at Paul, though? Because <laughs> here, I quite enjoy that. Here, Paul, get that bloody ref in, I'd, mate. I'd really enjoy Roman's <laughs> going, Cornish accent is what I need here. That's what they need. They, well, if Crown Jewel was in Red Ruth, we could do that. We could, we could, have, it, we could have it sorted. Now, so... 
Um, that's Crown Jewel. Uh, we appreciate some folks won't be watching it for, for ethical and, and reasons and whatever, but um, and we've covered that, I think. But yep. that's that's yep. that pay-per-view. Full gear, we were talking last week. What do they do? Do they go with Omega versus Danielson? Seems like that's the way AEW has to go. Well, we now know that's not the way they're going. We're getting Kenny Omega versus Hangman Adam Page for the title at full gear in November. Um, I I can't fault that decision, but I'm slightly surprised by it. Yeah, absolutely agree. I didn't think they'd go that way. I thought, like I said last week, um, we're in the mix, it seemed, of Omega Danielson. I, I just... I feel like we got that match and it was incredible and it left us wanting more. I just feel like they should have classic cliche struck while the iron was hot. I mean, I don't, I know you might have had these plans, but you stumbled across this, not stumbled across, everyone knew it was going to be incredible and it was better than others thought. And we just kept going with it. They say it's tough to say it's a mistake because Omega Page will be brilliant and there's so much story to tell there. There's so much story to tell. I just feel it could have waited a little bit, but then. Do they want to put the title on Danielson eventually? So if you take it off pay, um, off Omega, do you not get to tell this story? Are they telling this story while they can before they move? Because I do think Brian Danielson will win the title. I think that's where they'll go. I think he's a huge name. You want to get eyes on your product. And he'd be a brilliant champion. So I think that's where they'll go with it eventually. So do they just want to tell the story while they can? I get that thinking. But I would have very, very tough on Adam Page because he's brilliant and so over and done nothing wrong. But I think... He would have been a victim of circumstance if I was booking this. It probably would have very much gone the back burner. It, it, it's where, and it's a lovely problem for Tony Khan to have, but as we were saying last week, there are a lot of plates spinning in AEW. And I, and I think, you know, oh, we all thought we were getting Omega versus Page, and Page goes home on paternity leave, and you can't fault that, and all credit to him, top man doing that. So then we get Danielson debut, and we all get excited for Omega Danielson, and they make us think we're getting another match, and no, it's wait. Okay, hold on. We're back to Omega versus Page. Now, all of those matches will deliver, but to, but to use an analogy with what we're talking about, it would be a little bit as if WWE said, we're going for Reigns versus Balor. No, wait, it's Reigns versus Lesnar now. And then no, 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 actually, it's going to be Reigns versus Balor. I just want to invest in one of the... I don't... I appreciate some folks might like the, the multi-layered aspect of it. I'm actually... I, I, I sort of wish we'd taken a, a more straightforward path like you do. We have that that feud that we want, don't we? I think Omega versus Danielson was incredible. Just keep giving me that. that that's what I want, to be honest. That that's that's what I'm after. I, well, I, I want Omega versus Page. I'm delighted we're getting that. But don't get me there versus Omega versus Danielson because I sort of think that's that's what we're gonna. It's a difficult one because you're gonna get a great night of matches. The atmosphere is going to be red hot. They're going to deliver. I would love to see Hangman Adam Page walk out with the title because I think Omega's done a great job, but I'm up for a title change. I also think in this eliminator tournament, it looks like the way the brackets play out, we could be getting John Moxley against Brian Danielson. Now that's going to be very different to Dean Ambrose versus Daniel Bryan. Those two in a tournament final could be insane. Could be a murder. There could be a genuine actual murder in that. Because that's in John Moxley's not not doing it, but it's a little bit quieter. He's just slipped to the back, hasn't he, through the new names coming through. I think we forget what a star he is. He is. He was the first huge star in this company, wasn't he, really? And the things he's done, I think it's probably time he had a little bit more limelight on it. But like, so you don't want to be at the expense of anyone else. I just, oh, there's just so much going on AEW, mate. There's so much. You, you, you take your eye off one thing for a second and everything happens over there. It, it's, 
it's brilliant viewing and as we say sometimes a little bit too much going on technically. Yeah. but if that's our only complaint geez i'd rather that than three hours of raw when nothing happens which uh, isn't at the moment raw's getting a lot better but god we've had a lot of three hours of raw where i'm going that could have been 12 minutes can i just ask you from your pro rugby player point of view john moxley is big now mm. like i was looking at some dean ambrose matches the other day and you look at John Moxley now, it's like John Moxley has just gone, I'm going to bear myself up. I'm going to get, I'm not imagining it. He is, he is stacked on the way, isn't he? He is. I'm just Googling how tall he is. I'm not saying he's fat, by the way, by no, any means. Not, I'm saying he just John, seems to have bulked up. John Moxley would be a brilliant hooker, I think, in rugby. Yeah. He's six foot two. And here it says he's 102 kilos. I reckon he's a bit heavier than that at the moment. Mm. But 224 pounds his build has here, which I think he's a bit more than He'd be good in the middle of a scrum. I'd push behind him. I'd yeah. get down and push behind John Moxley. If he, if he, wants, to, if he ever wants to change, well, I'm going to amp my trial. That's not my decision to make, but I've made it. Uh, we'll have you down for a trial, John. Six weeks, unpaid. If you do well, we'll talk about a contract. <laughs> you sound not like sure. Vince McMahon. You sound not like Vince sure. McMahon. We don't offer you contracts. We offer you offer opportunities, yeah. John. Not sure I can match Tony Khan's money, uh, but I'll have a word with the, with the club and see what we can do. Maybe we'll give you, you and Renee a house. Um, you can go in the cl- the clubhouse, share, share with four lads. There you go. Yeah, that'd be worth doing. Um, speaking of Rampage, American Top Team. Now, I know a little bit about MMA. I follow it. I don't follow it religiously. But Dan Lambert, as a heel, I mean, the heat he is getting in this feud with the inner circle, that is becoming a guilty pleasure for me each and every week. I'm I'm really enjoying how much people hate Dan Lambert and American Top Team. Yeah, probably been the surprise of the wrestling week for me is how over they are uh, in the heel sense, how how much heat they are getting. Um, I also, like I say, I'm not a huge MMA fan. Um, and it's hilarious. People think because you're a wrestling fan, they just presume you like MMA because then they say, because it's real. It's real wrestling. And you're like, guys, if you think the bit I like of wrestling is the wrestling, you're wrong. Wrestling is the worst bit of wrestling. Let's get that out there. That's a well-known fact. Well, yeah, that's a wrestling. controversial statement. I'm not wrestling. sure. Wrestling is the worst bit of wrestling, as we know with Brock and uh, Roman. Stories are the best part of wrestling. Anyway, so I'm not a huge MMA fan, but what I do love is when you know wrestlers have an MMA background or they come across, because it just gives them credibility straight away, doesn't it? Because you know, in real life, they would kick the living hell out of you, really, wouldn't they? Like That's why Brock's so scary, because he's been there, he's done it in UFC. Bobby Lashley's done it in Bellator. That's why I love Chad Gable because he's a he's a re- amateur wrestler first, like, and you know that if you had a fight with these guys, they would batter you. Now, I'm not saying the likes of Drew who haven't got that wouldn't batter me because they absolutely would, but I love the credibility it gives people. And American Top Team have that straight away, and when the story is told correctly, like AWR with them, and they lean into that, they don't rely on it, but they lean into it. I think it's a brilliant way to get people over, and as a heel works well because yeah, boo him because actually he'd absolutely batter you. So do boom, because that's all you can do. And yeah, I'm, like I said, very shocked with how much heat they're getting, how disliked they are, but they're doing a great job and they will, they keep going the way they are, they will push themselves to the top of that heel ladder along with the likes of MJF. And then wrestling needs good heels. There is a dearth of heels who are genuinely hated in wrestling at the moment because we as wrestling fans love to love people. We want to cheer. We want to be smart. Like, oh, you want... You want us to hate them? Well, I'm going to cheer just to be awkward. So actually, if they can get properly booed, they will do very, very well. Uh, before we move on, one question about WWE. Are you ready to hail your new king, Xavier Woods? Because he has happening. to win. He has to, doesn't he? 
I love Finn Balor. I love him. He's brilliant. I think they're presenting him well at the moment. Although we're kind of like, oh, the, the demon did happen. I forget about that. That annoys me. But anyway, they have to give it to Woods. They have to. You can't tease this. He can't. I, I just, and I'm, did you see his tweet the day where he put um, a screenshot of his notes on his phone? And there's one that says, New Day King Ideas. And the first one was from 2016. He has been thinking these up for five years. Give this man the crown. Well, th- see it this way. Let's be honest. King of the Ring and Queen's Crown, bit of a marketing gimmick to make Crown Jewel feel bigger. If you've yep. got someone who can take what is essentially a gimmick for, for, for buys for this pay-per-view to get people watching it and say, oh, no, I can do more with it than that. I can take this to the next level. You just say, yeah, fine, do it. And Finn Balor's going to lose nothing by not being King of the Ring. Finn Balor will always be Finn Balor. But Xavier Woods as King, yes, please, I'd like that. He's going to do some bonkers King stuff, isn't he? <laughs> He's going to do some bonkers stuff. Let me jump in quickly here to remind you that this is a wrestling show by fans for fans and we're so grateful to have you involved each and every week. If you haven't done it already, please rate and review us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Share a bit of love on social media and tell other wrestling fans what we do here and how they can get involved. Tweets to either Jack underscore Murley or Charlie underscore Beckett. And now back to the show. Okay, let's move on to one big night, two big moments. Now, this was a question we posed last week. Uh, do you just want to do the listener ones this week, Charlie, and mine and yours next week? Do you have some ready? What do you um, fancy doing? I've got, I've got one ready for you that okay. I can start you off with. I'm just actually getting the data. Here we go. So do you want okay. me to go first? I'll just remind people, if, you, if you're new to the yep. pod and we appreciate yep. all the new folks listening each and every week, the question we posed last week was that uh, on October 5th, 1997 at the bad blood pay-per-view we saw the debut of both kane and the hell in a cell gimmick on the same night so the question was can you think of any other one night where two such big moments happen for the business i struggle to think of some so we threw it out uh, let's hear yours charlie then we'll do some of the ones that have already come in i would like to put forward the date of april the third so everyone now knows that's wrestlemania season mm-hmm. straight away 2005, which will give you WrestleMania 21. Oh, okay. Because at WrestleMania 21, which is one of my favorite WrestleManias ever, because I got given it on DVD, so I must have watched it front to back about 50 times between the age of 10 and 15. I did not stop watching this WrestleMania. You saw the first ever Money in the Bank, which is uh, 16 years later, still good. We've just seen Big E cash in. It's still a huge part of wrestling, and every other wrestling company has put their own version forward. Everyone's got money in the bank. So I think that's huge wrestling. And you saw the first title win for both Batista and John Cena. She basically saw that night the ushering in of a new era of wrestling. I think it was the changing of the guard. And for the next 10 years, probably your two biggest stars had their first title win. So while it's not the debut of a gimmick, I thought that was a huge night because it was almost the start of a new era and the start of probably... The, the most recent great gimmick match. I can't think of one since Money in the Bank that has debuted and been properly brilliant and industry-changing like Money in the Bank has been. Now, that's a very good shout. That's a very good shout. And the reason I know it's a good shout is you're not the only one saying that. Right. Adam, Adam on Twitter says, potentially WrestleMania 21 
has to be it, because uh, John Cena's first WWE title win and the introduction of the Money in the Bank gimmick match. So you're not the only one thinking that way. Um, this is Paul, who says, uh, what about SummerSlam 97? We had the injury to Stone Cold Steve Austin, which led to the brawling main event style, significantly shortened his career, but ultimately gave us the Stone Cold we know. And meanwhile... Bret Hart winning the title started the path to the Montreal screw job, which led in turn to Mr. McMahon. So Paul's argument is that on one night, we began to see the development, the seeds planted for the biggest heel and the biggest face of the Attitude Era, which was the biggest era, arguably in wrestling. That's hard to disagree with. Yeah, that's huge. And I love that he's had thoughts so out of the box of, okay, they didn't both debut this night, but without these two things that happened on this night, which is so spot on as well, we wouldn't have seen either of them. So that's a very, very, very good job. Uh, Nick says, I know it might be too soon to say, but AW All Out has Danielson debuting on the other side and CM Punk wrestling for the first time in seven years. That has to be part of the conversation. I think his caveat is a good one there. It is too soon to say, but... Arguably, I'd say that was the most monumental night in wrestling from a fan point of view that I can remember in the past three, four years, maybe. Yeah, I can't remember the last time there was a buzz around wrestling like that. Genuinely can't. So they say you don't know what's going to happen the next two, three years. But I think in five, ten years time, we could look back on that and be like, that was a huge night for not just AEW, but for wrestling as an industry as a whole. And here's Alan, who says, um, I'm going to give you the 26th of March, 2001, the final night of the Monday Night Wars, the only time the two biggest wrestling shows on the planet were showing the exact same thing at the exact same time. Uh, Thank you for the show. Finally, the dog-eared encyclopedia of wrestling trivia I keep in my head has become useful. I've always thought H is for Hell in a Cell, Halloween Havoc, and inexplicably, Heidenreich. Heidenreich. Um, That's a very good call, isn't it? Because that was my... It will live forever, won't it? The contract says McMahon, but it says Shane McMahon. And whatever you want to say and think about what happened after that, and that's a whole different discussion, that night, that moment was just huge. And Vince's face, Vince's face when it happens is just a picture. It's brilliant. Vince McMahon does some of the best facial features in the world, doesn't he? Some of the best responses. He's just, he's incredible. I, I, I think, I think they're, they're all great shouts. You, you can't disagree with any of them. There are none there you can roll your eyes at and go, no, that doesn't fit. But for, for the resonance of that night, and now as I'm a little bit older, a little bit more sophisticated in my wrestling fandom now the idea that you could have for example tony khan show up on dynamite and roar at the same time would blow my mind um i I think i'm sort of airing towards alan because look that that still stands the test of time you can still go back and watch that segment and it gives you the old goosebumps yeah i think that is as big a segment as you're gonna get in wrestling isn't it really to have both of them on the same time, at the same channel, with the same thing, and then the twist, it's its hard to beat. I've never asked you this before, actually, since we're talking about historic nights. We all have things we go back and watch. What do you go back and watch? If, if you, I don't know, can't sleep, you need a bit of a wrestling fix, because I'll tell you mine, Hell in a Cell, 98. I, I can watch that as many times, Mankind Undertaker, and it never gets old. Uh, if I need a fix of wrestling, I'll actually, I, I probably every few months will work my way through WrestleMania 25 to 8, the streak matches. 
I watch them in order quite often because I just think long that I'm, I'm a sucker for the streak for Undertaker. Those four matches are good matches just watch them by themselves. But actually, the story, it's just long-term storytelling at its best, isn't it? Those three years, four matches, three men involved, that I'll work my way through them quite often. Um, I do enjoy going back and watching, um, as a standalone, the SummerSlam 2002 Street Fight. Oh, yes. It's just, it's just brilliant. And I, I don't remember. I never, I've gone back and watched, but I didn't watch Sean pre-injury because I was too young. I don't remember it. So I didn't really understand the significance of it as it was happening. I just remember being like, oh, Shawn Michaels, who's this guy? Oh, he's quite good at wrestling. He's Triple H's mate, is he? I don't know. But you go back and watch now and just the significance of that night and the crowd because no one knew if Shawn could still go. The crowd is nervous. You can feel it. But after that half hour, no one is in any doubt that Shawn Michaels can absolutely still go. Um, do you know what? This I'll do mine next week and we'll do some more next week. Charlie underscore Beckett, Jack underscore Murley on Twitter is how you get involved. There's an argument for that SummerSlam 2002 actually being one of those nights because you saw Rock pass the torch to Brock Lesnar. We had the brand split in full effect. And Shawn Michaels is, for my mind, the greatest wrestler ever. And when people ask me why, here's my reason. He has had two Hall of Fame careers. In his first career... Ladder match, Iron Man match, Hell in a Cell match, DX. He could have retired then and still I could have been the greatest ever. He comes back in 2002 and he gives us Mr. WrestleMania. He gives us Flair, two matches with Taker that are arguably the greatest ever. Some of the best storytelling with Jericho we've seen in the modern era. Shawn Michaels has two Hall of Fame careers and, Re- and SummerSlam 2002 arguably is the bookend between the two of them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, to have anyone would kill for one of those runs, to have two is, um, is incredible. Just before we move on, so I meant to say earlier, you maybe think of it with Money in the Bank and stuff, because obviously it has its own pay-per-view now. Did you see they've cancelled TLC in December? And all I want is this to be the end of the gimmick pay-per-views except for Money in the Bank. Get, get rid of the gimmick pay-per-view. Sorry, I'm going way off, off our script here. <laughs> what script? Yeah. <laughs> let them think we're professional. Oh, um, sorry, yes. Like, give it, and the fact that we've got a Hell in a Cell match this Thursday because the rivalry needs it, let's go back to that WWE. Let surprise me with, um, it was our good friend, he doesn't know us, Alex McCarthy, on, on uh, Twitter was saying as well, like Elimination Chamber. Let's use that when there are six people in the title picture. It doesn't happen that often to make it a big thing. And I just, I agree so much. I'm hoping that them getting rid of TLC is the start of them getting rid of these pay-per-views, that we have these matches because the pay-per-views there and we get them when the rivalry dictates. I'm really hoping it's not just a one-off. Yeah, and I think we saw that with um, Extreme Rules, didn't we? Not really being particularly extreme. And, you know, WWE, they know their audience. We caveat everything we say by saying Vince McMahon has earned and lost more money in the course of the past 30 seconds than you and I ever will. I don't know a single wrestling fan who has ever got more excited for a gimmick pay-per-view than an actual organic gimmick that happens to be at a pay-per-view. So just, just do that. It's what we want. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's send something back to developmental and let's give something the push. This is where we turn our attention to the trials and tribulations of everyday life, but apply wrestling terminology. Uh, I would like to go second this week, Charlie, and I've changed my mind on what's earning the push. So, uh, ah, okay, well, I'm not going to give um, the Balloon World Cup the 
bush like I thought you were going to, but that's really good. Go and watch it, everyone. It's amazing. Can we um, just tell people what the Balloon World Cup is if they've well, not seen it? I think I've called it its wrong name, first of all. No, I think you're right. We've all played the game, haven't we, when there's a balloon left over from a party of don't let it touch the floor and hit it. Or they've made it a real thing and there's a World Cup and go and look for it on Twitter because they make like a, they make like a fake house in this. It looks like a cube, doesn't it, from ITV? Yes. And they're in it. And the best thing is they have crash helmets on. So it is, as Charlie says, almost a perspex rectangle and they've just filled it with stuff and there's no logic to it. It's not a themed room. They've got a car, a sofa, yeah. a lamp, like yeah. a grandfather clock in yeah. there. Because at first I thought it was a living room and then there's a car. So I'm like, what, is this a living room garage? Like, what, what's going on here? You know, it's brilliant. And it's just, what I love is it's a game we've all played so we can all relate to and we can watch and it's lots of fun to watch. But you and I know more than some folks about sport. And this is completely, this was way off my radar. It was so off my mm. radar. It was like one of those fish that lives at the bottom of the Mariana Trench. I had no idea it existed. And then it just appeared yesterday. Where's it been all our lives? I don't know, but I need more of it. Let's get this on beat. This screams BT Sport. This screams <laughs> BT Sport. I want to see Jake Humphrey presenting this. <laughs> and I want to have, I want, who do I, I want, I want the, anal, the analysts there giving me play by play. But yeah, this screams Jake Humphrey. Yeah, it does. So I'm not pushing that. I've got a couple of other bits and bobs. Right. Uh, what are you doing? I'm going to go back to developmental first. I saw it the other day. It confuses me. I don't know why it happens. It just seems to not make sense. It seems a waste of everyone's money and time. It could be used better. Why, Jack Murley, at traffic lights sometimes, is there a lollipop lady? <laughs> because not all the young children can get across when the traffic light's on and you need to protect the young'uns. I'm going to say something really controversial here. Oh, my God. Go on. If a child can't work out a traffic light, can't wait for the green man, that is Darwin's natural selection work in the 21st century. Good Lord. All right, Squid let's, Game. This let's, is not, let's not keep them around. If they can't work that out, they, they, aren't, they aren't pushing the human race forward, are they? But no, it just confuses me. Like, go and put the lollipop lady where a dangerous place for kids crossing, go and let her or him, it could be a lollipop man. This in this case, it was a lollipop lady. Go and do that elsewhere. I just feel like it's such a waste of time, and I don't get it. And we could use our resources better. So that's what's going back to that mental. Can I just di- disassociate the podcast entirely from the remark suggesting that if if you for some reason are, are unable to use a crossing, that you deserve what's coming to you? I would like I would I would like to think that that isn't the general view of the podcast. Also. It gives older people, by and large, a job. Because they yeah, can, when you yeah, retire, you can be a lollipop man or woman. I don't want to take their job away from them. I just want to put somewhere where their job's needed. Where would that be? A crossing that isn't a traffic light. There's zebra crossings as well. These are already designed crossings. Put them outside a school that has a busy road and no traffic lights. Perfect. Oh, so what you're saying is you want to take away the safety net of the traffic light. What you want is to say to these lollipop men or women, step out in front of the traffic on your own with a stick with stop written on it and just hope everyone's paying attention. The traffic lights are like extra insurance policy. Well, just, uh, yeah, they can earn their money. A bit of danger. Yeah, anyway, this has gone gone, gone different to how I thought it would. Um, (laughs) No, I'm sticking by what I said. I thought there's going to be a bit at the end. You're going to um, do a little voiceover at the end, like... um, of course, Charlie Beckett were absolutely his own thoughts and not that of earning the push that anyone associated with the podcast. I'm going to listen back <laughs> like, oh, Jack's throwing me under the bus, literally like the lollipop man might be. Stop um, it! Stop this sorry, now! Sorry. <laughs> anyway, 
you know the phrase, um, you've had one job. It's always used in when someone can't do that one job. And anyone who um, knows, anyone who listens to my rant about hand dryers that don't dry your hands yes, will yep. know that I hate incompetence. If you have one job, do one job. On the flip side, you had one job and you're really good at your one job. I'm a big fan of. And that happened to me twice this week with two things I used. Now, I've used these things before. I just haven't used them for a while. And I forgot how good they were at their job. And I used them this week and I was like, oh, my God. You, you say you do one job and you do it brilliantly. So earning the push for me this week is mould remover spray <laughs> and, and oven cleaner spray. Oh, yes. Now, oven cleaner spray is the absolute, it's a godsend. Yeah. So we, we, moved, we moved house this week and we moved out. We were in a basement flat. Um, and I was basically flat and we're drying close a little bit of mould will come beside the walls so you give the whole place a big clean before you leave don't you so I went and got some mould remover spray and you literally spray it on leave it two minutes wipe it with some kitchen roll and it just comes off it's really good and actually if you don't have it getting mould away is an absolute nightmare yeah. but the star of the show was oven cleaner absolutely now, I use Mr. Muscle, but I do believe other brands are, are available. I've, I've, I've read up. There's this one. I think it's called the Pink Bomb. I don't know if you've heard of this. So you put it it's in It's a your club oven. I used to go to. Yeah. <laughs> I don't it's know any more, more about that. It's my finishing move. <laughs> yes. You put this in the middle of the oven, and apparently it like explodes, and it goes all over the oven and cleans it. And then it goes back into it somehow. I didn't have one of them. I just missed the muscle, sprayed it on, and ovens are minging. Like, yeah. if our oh, ovens get horrible, and you, you like you, you go and clean your oven, you're like, oh, I should have done, I should have done this before. This is not fun. And just oven cleaner spray just gets right through it all. Just boom, wipe it off. Leave it for twenty minutes, wipe it off. Happy day. So those two products have one job and do their one job brilliantly, and I've got a lot of time for that. I, I agree with you on that. I can't fault you. Um, I like that you you say that the, the, the star is Mr. Muscle, like it's mm. like it's Shawn Michaels at, Miss, at WrestleMania coming yes. out like now is my time to shine. Yeah. This is what they should teach you at school. Forget, you know, I don't know what your personal social health education was. This is what they need to teach you at school, how to clean an oven, how to mm. do all these basic things. So I'm with you on that. I am sending back to development, to, back to developmental. I'll get this right. Mystery car alarms. When you're in bed and you hear a car alarm go off and it goes off and you go, well, is that mine? And you're never mm. quite sure if it's yours. That, that is, do you have this happen with you? Yeah, because there's no way to test the joker. Like, there's no button on your keys, is it? It's like, let me just hear what my car alarm sounds like and now stop it. Yep. There isn't. Yeah, no. And also, I think there's like a car alarm goes off. No one's first reaction is, oh, I best go and check no one's robbing a car. Everyone's like, oh, for God's sake, sort your car alarm out. Yeah, um, I, I, so no, where I, agree, I live, I agree. Well, where I live at the moment, we um we had a situation, it was either at the start of this year, tail end of last year, where someone's horn, in the, I didn't know cars could do this, the horn in the car ran out of battery. And when that happens in a car, the horn just goes off oh, no. constantly. And it went off for about two and a half hours. And I made the mistake of going to the window to look as if it was my car. And I thought, I'll do the key fob. I'll press the button on and off. And if it's mine, it'll stop. And I press the button on and off. It kept going. I knew it wasn't my car. The neighbors saw me go to the window, do that with, and assumed it was my car. 
And a guy said to me three weeks later, he said, I, I did think it was very irresponsible. You didn't um, you didn't stop your car going. I said, it wasn't mine. Do you think I'd have gone there to the window, press the button and thought, oh, that's mine. I'll leave it go. Yeah. Like it went for two hours. So what I enjoy is for three weeks, you were the talk of the neighborhood that, you know, that Merlin let his car alarm go off. You know, he, 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 went, he went to the window with his fob. He found out it was his and he just watched it. He saw me on the stairs. We passed each other on the stairs. I was up past him and he said, excuse me, can I just say, um, I, I said, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. And so that is going back to developmental. Earning the push. Here's a spoiler alert. If you haven't seen No Time to Die, mm. skip to next week. Because we're going to give some... Coming. Thanks for coming. See you next week, guys. We're going to have a little bit of Bond talk here. Um, we'll see you next week. We'll talk Crown Jewel if you've not seen it. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. How good was that film? Oh, it's so good. It's a really good Bond film. We had a, we, Jack and I text most days. It's rare that we have a conversation that has no wrestling in it. Bond was that good that we had a good 30-minute hour chat and we didn't mention wrestling once. It was just phenomenal. Daniel uh, Craig, or Craig Danielson as he is now, he's left Bond. When, he goes, to... over, when he goes over to Mission Impossible, he'll be Craig Danielson. <laughs> he's got to go back to his indie name fantastic i won't say the ending i didn't see it coming i thought two hours 45 gonna be a bit long flew by flew by my only problem and i've said this to you how they didn't click that one of the characters was manuel from faulty towers i will never know because that there's okay spoiler alert there's this russian scientist who has this weapon and you're not sure what side he's on. And he spends most of his time going, Mr. Bond, Mr. Bond, I changed the DNA for you, Mr. Bond. And now I do this for you, Mr. Bond. And you just think, it's Manuel. It's Manuel from Faulty Towers. Jack, I thought me saying that lollipop ladies and lollipop men should maybe be in more danger would be the most controversial thing on this podcast this week. Your accent there, I don't know if it's meant to be Russian, if it's meant to be Spanish, but it's going to um, it's going to insult both nations. That is a cracking Manuel from Faulty Tower, ah, Mister Bond. I get the suitcase for you, Mister Bond, and now I... you double down. Good, you double down it. What I wouldn't be surprised is that if the Russians had start talking to a big moose head like uh, like Manuel <laughs> yeah. does at one point. Um, apart apart from that, I thought it was fantastic. How good is that scene with the? Uh, American spy in the big, she's in the big long ball gown and she just, just cleans house, doesn't she, on everyone in that. that that's the scene that steals the film for me. She's only in one scene, but her and Bond have such great chemistry and just everything. And then she drafts two Aston Martins, the lucky devil, or yeah. two Aston Martins in one film. Uh, right, that wraps up the James Bond portion of this wrestling mm -hmm. podcast. Uh, thank you for listening each and every week. Uh, tell mates about it. More and more of you doing it each and every week, which is amazing. Uh, when we're back next time, Crown Jewel will be in the books. Who is walking out, Charlie, of Crown Jewel as a universal champion? The first time in his run as champ, I honestly don't know. But I, Roman, Roman is. But it's the first time I could pro properly see him losing it. I think it has to be Roman. And we're getting Alistair Black, Cody Rhodes 3 on Dynamite this weekend. Is it the weekend where Cody Rhodes finally turns heel? Yeah, but Malachi's still going to kill him. Malachi Black's going to kill him and then Cody will turn heel after. I almost said maybe he'll turn on Brandy. No, he won't. That's his actual real life wife. That would be a bit much. But no, he'll actually turn heel. Yeah, Malachi's yeah. going to kill him because they're, they're presenting him brilliantly. He's, 
he's putting a body of work together already in AEW Malachi Black, but not that I'm surprised. Anyone who knows me knows I love him and he's really good. But yeah, you've got to pull the trigger on that Cody Rhodes heel turn now. Uh, you've got to. Double turn. I can smell it. A double turn. Uh, right. That's that's the way the wrestling world is looking. Thank you so much for joining us each and every week. Rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your pods from. Uh, do tell a mate about what we do here. Get involved for next week. Part two of one big night, two big wrestling moments. He's Charlie underscore Beckett. I'm Jack underscore Murley. We will see you again next week when we'll do it all again. But until then, bye bye.